I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew from the Dad.io podcast, a podcast member of the Gonna Geek Network. Just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Check out all the other podcasts at gonnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Stand by for a brand new episode of All Things Good and Nerdy. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode 386 of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. This is recorded live on Sunday, December 29th, 2019. The very last Sunday and podcast episode you have from us here in 2019. It'll soon be 2020, and we'll have stuff, stuff. Yeah. I'm Chris. Joining me today, as per usual, my good friend, one Anthony Bachman. I are here for the last time this year. Indeed, indeed. And we don't know Willie might be here. We haven't heard from him in like three days. So we're assuming he has the Christmas and festive spirit and will just be here at a later time. So, yeah, go go team. <laughs> he might hop in there. He got nogged. He got straight that's, up nogged. That's what you're saying in pre-shows. Maybe he just had a little too much eggnog. He loves him that eggnog, <laughs> and someone's got to love it, because sure shit not me, because eggnog is gross. Yeah, I think it's disgusting. I was listening to All Fantasy Everything. Apparently, they got some love for the nog on that on that uh, crew. They're, they're fans of the eggnog over there. But yeah, it's it's just, ugh, it's too thick. It's too creamy. Like, it's too, ugh. I like the rum that goes in it. Does that <laughs> Just give me the eggnog, just, hold the eggnog. Yeah, give me the rum, hold the eggnog. Just give me the rum. Then I can put some (laughs) Coke in it or something like that. Or I can just put it on the rocks. Who knows? Depends on how festive I want to feel. Yeah, it sounds way better than eggnog. I've I've never been a fan myself. Eggnog and fruitcake, man. These two things this time of year that are huge that I don't care for (laughs) one bit. I think fruitcake's just a threat. Well, I think, to be fair, most people don't like fruitcake. It's just that gift that goes around. Everyone's like... Oh, thanks. You thought about me. Let me throw this shit out. <laughs> I think Fruitcake also just has a really bad PR rep. Okay, that's probably true, too. <laughs> uh, there was like one bad Fruitcake once, and then that story has just ruined all of Fruitcake's reputation for all of time. I just don't think it has a very good flavor, but that's that's just me. What do I know? Yeah, I don't think I've ever had a really good Fruitcake. I think I've tried a couple, and then it's like, at best, it's eh. I'd rather just eat cake. <laughs> or fruit. Or fruit. <laughs> Or fruit on my cake. You could give me one of those strawberry cakes that has like oh, strawberry on top of it. Pineapple upside down cake. There you go. And that's fruit cake that I would like. Yeah. That is a fruit and a cake put together and it's delicious, but it ain't fruit cake. Mm, yeah, we're, we're trailing dangerously close to a comedian's bit that he's done multiple times. It's like fruit's good. Cake's good. How the hell is fruit cake bad? Put two good things together. How's it bad? <laughs> yeah, but we're not funny. So this is just organically happening. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> hey, we don't we don't have good comedy here. What are you talking about? Speak for yourself. I'm full of comedy. Yeah. That's where I keep what I used to keep my beer. I keep all my comedy right here in my belly. Hmm. How's that working out for you? <laughs> Pretty good. That makes some people laugh. <laughs> so like we were mentioning at the top of the show, this is the very last episode of 2019. So before we shut things down for the year, we do want to share some things with you guys who are watching live of what we thought were some of the best things to come out of 2019, which will probably also then devolve into some of the worst because we like to make fun of things. And if we have time, we'll probably talk a little bit about star Wars, uh, the rise of Skywalker, where I believe we have two people with very different opinions on the show right now today. Uh Oh, uh Oh, they played it safe and it was boring. I thought, but that's neither here nor there. Is your heart full of hatred? 
No, no. <laughs> I thought it was fine, but it wasn't great. But we'll ah, so you thought it it, you thought it was meh, Star Wars. I thought they played it safe all the way across the board, and then undid a lot of the things that Last Jedi had done that I liked. It was called Fair Star enough. Wars. We're sorry for the Last Jedi. Was what this movie was. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's not bad. That's not bad. But, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> we'll get to it at the end of the show. We'll go spoiler free on it. But the the way I've tested how people are going to like the movie when I saw it, I said, okay. When you saw the Last Jedi, did you like it or did you hate it? And someone says they hated it. I said you're going to love the Rise of Skywalker. And if they said they loved the Last Jedi, I'm like you're not going to like the Rise of Skywalker. Pretty much what it comes down to. If you're someone like me who liked parts of Last Jedi and liked how they changed things up and liked some of the life lessons they might have taught with it, but didn't care for everything, there's parts of Rise of Skywalker you'll like, and then you go, oh yeah, they played it really safe. But it doesn't matter, because we have the Mandalorian, and that's far superior Star Wars content. And that, I will go to my grave saying right now, is the uh, Mandalorian (laughs) is the best thing to have come out of the Disney acquisition of Star Wars so far. Ooh, that's high praise. Mandalorian is damn good, though. It is damn good. I think it's better than any of the movies they've put out so far. I don't know. Force Awakens was just a bucket of nostalgia. You like mean it was a new hope retold. Exactly. Like <laughs> I said, a bucket of nostalgia. JJ hits you over the head with the nostalgia bucket harder than any director in like the history of the world. And it so fucking worked for me. Yeah. So like we're going to give you three all new characters and the same story you love from 1977. Hell yes. <laughs> yeah i let's put it this way when it comes to star wars right now i really hope they take a break from movies for a little bit and then figure out where they want to go with things and then keep giving us the television content where you can tell a story in the star wars universe but it's not all predicated on relations back to the skywalker family or how this going to impact the galaxy at large part of what i've liked about the mandalorian is it's a story told in that galaxy that doesn't necessarily have to change everything else in there it's shaped by the events but doesn't shape everything around it and yeah and it still fits into the continuity what i'm actually looking forward to is i'm hoping that like if they talk about like giving ryan johnson his own trilogy or giving another director their own trilogy or giving someone else their own tv series i'm really hoping that they like finally go out there and give us like a knights of the old republic give us like an ancient star wars tale that has no bearing whatsoever that's thousands of years apart from anything we've seen which is what made all the expanded universe so great. But you can tell a story in the Knights of the Old Republic that takes place, what is it, 30,000 years before the Battle of Endor? Yeah, like, long so time. No matter anything that happens or anything you see, you know this is like an entirely different civilization that's going to rise and fall and rise again all before any of the Darth Vader stuff ever happens. And so you don't have to worry about killing off characters. You don't have to worry about making sure, I mean, other than not blowing up planets, you know, which, you know, you can't really tell many, too many stories on Alderaan that aren't pre-New Hope. But, you know, other than that, you know, if you go the ancient stuff, yeah, Knights of the Old Republic, anything like that, like they did with all the Kotorik video games and stuff, you have a whole new world of Star Wars that they can dig into and introduce fans to that didn't read the comics or played those video games. And yeah, like, especially like the old Knights where it was really like the Jedi were like temple guards and like more militarized. And they all wore the red armor. Like, there's some great stories that were told in that universe and a lot of stuff they could dig into. Well, if you believe what the rumors were about Ryan Johnson's trilogy and what he'd said in some interviews, it was supposed to be set far in the future from what we've gotten in the Skywalker films. So this is a story after Rise of Skywalker, potentially hundreds mm-hmm. or thousands of years in the future. 
Let's see, thousands I'd be good with, hundreds, and it gets problematic again because you might get Star Wars Legacy, which is the story of Cade Skywalker. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> which uh, is a great book. I love that series. There, uh, That's a string of like 90 comics that were amazing, but we don't need more movies about the Skywalkers. So the thing is, I don't know that we're actually <laughs> going to get the Ryan Johnson trilogy. I have no insider facts, anything like that. But if you go and look, they haven't really talked about it much since The Last Jedi came out. Ryan Johnson hasn't really talked about it very much. Ryan Johnson wasn't at the premiere of The Rise of Skywalker. Some could argue, understandably so, when there's an entire movie to mm. go undo everything that you did. And uh. Kathleen Kennedy is the one that wanted him in that job. And there's a lot of uh, head scratching and wondering if she's still going to have that job here in a year or so. Or potentially even less. Now, who I think should have her job would be Dave Filoni and John Favreau. But that's neither here nor there. Because uh, I think those two have proven that they have a good understanding of how the Star Wars universe works. In all honesty, I love George Lucas and I love the Star Wars he gave us. But Dave Filoni is the father of Star Wars now. Yes. It's kind of like Greg Capullo taking over for drawing Spawn. Todd McFarlane went out and found an artist that drew Todd McFarlane better than Todd McFarlane did. And that's who Greg Capullo was when he was working on Spawn. He was a better Todd McFarlane Spawn artist than even Todd McFarlane. Dave Filoni tells better George Lucas, like heartfelt Star Wars stories than George Lucas does. Dave Filoni has been in charge of telling more Star Wars stories than anybody in the history of the world. And everything he's worked on has been great. Yes. And he's evidently talked a lot with George Lucas about character motivations and why these characters do certain things. Because remember, Dave Filoni has been working on Star Wars since the Clone Wars. He's done Clone Wars. He's done Rebels. He's done uh, Mandalorian. Or he's, he's a veteran of the fucking wars. He's literally been there the whole time. He's been in everything. <laughs> I'm a big Dave Filoni fan, and I'm happy to see that he's gotten a transition to doing live-action Star Wars now. By I didn't realize Cameron. that was him. Yes. He's not wearing his cowboy hat. How am I supposed to recognize him? I know, him? right? <laughs> I've never seen him without the hat before. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a fun moment, too, because uh, uh, John Favreau, I didn't realize, had been in the Clone Wars cartoons also. And he was in the Clone Wars cartoons as Pre Vizuela or however you say his name, Vizula. Oh, yeah, Pre Vizla. Yeah. yeah, Vizla. Yeah. So That's right. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Favreau was in the Clone Wars. Favreau was in the Clone Wars. It's been <laughs> yeah, there, there's some good content out there right now. And we'll we'll touch on Star Wars content and stuff as we get to the end of things because Mandalorian's exciting. Rise of Skywalker has exciting parts. I'm glad there are people that love it. I'm just someone who's meh. But credit to those people on the internet like myself and i'm not trying to pat myself on the back who aren't going out there and being annoying a-hole fanboys towards people who are like i love rise of skywalker similar to what we saw when people like i love last jedi and then you had people just crucifying them on the internet it's okay to not like something guys and you don't have to then go and share it with everyone on the internet and fight by throwing around slurs and curse words and ridiculousness it's been a slightly tamer group for uh this last star wars i don't know maybe people matured or people just quit caring well it's also i think it's a two to one thing out of the trilogy if you like two of the jj movies and you didn't like the ryan johnson movie you've got more like argument to back it up and i mean they're both great filmmakers i kind of (laughs) i wish we would have seen what colin trevorrow was doing i wish we had seen what his original plan was he did say something to the effect assuming i read this correct that palpatine was not in his plans I see, and I also kind of wish we would have seen what would have happened if J.J. had had the time and they'd given enough money to sit down and do a trilogy mm-hmm. to where if he'd been able to plan out and storyline three movies well, you and then actually film all of those. You would have had a rehash of Empire Strikes Back for Episode 8. I know. And think how good that would have been. 
The Empire is a lot of people's favorite movie. Give me something <laughs> at least a little original. That, that's all I want. Maybe I've gotten spoiled with like Marvel then saying, okay, we're not going to do just comic book movies. We're going to do espionage movies and we're going to do space adventures and stuff like that. They, they mm-hmm. do original stuff. I don't need rehashes of everything I've seen before. Like Doctor Strange 2 should not be a rehash of Doctor Strange 1. Um, from the looks of it, it's not going to be. No, it, but I think, it's not. That was just uh, an example I was trying to make. I yeah. wasn't trying to imply that. I, I think it's just something where. I think JJ takes risks other places. I think Star Wars is somewhere he doesn't want to take risks. I think Star Wars is something that's sacred enough to him that he's afraid to take risks, even as a creator, because JJ has created some great stuff. But like, there, there's something like where it just harkens back to him as a kid, where he just wants to redo what George did in his like visual style and just try to make the same thing and make it feel the same way. And he puts the yeah. feels in it like a motherfucker. But yeah, it doesn't seem to be. It's not really where he takes risks. That's fair. I don't know. Let, let's let's save the Star Wars stuff for later. I know I keep going back to it. What we did have here was trying to run down some of our favorite things from 2019. And Anthony had put together a list that, excuse me, we have just kind of dumped in our show notes. So if you want to get a sneak preview, you can go to bit.ly slash ATGN386. There's the show notes with what we've put in. And we're going to run down some of our favorite movies, comics, streaming shows, things like that. Here in 2019. And when Willie hops in, he is coming. We did get confirmation. He was just a little under the weather. He will join in with us. So let's start with the simplest thing. What was your favorite movie of 2019? Oh, that's the simplest thing. That was such a hard one. I know. I I had to go back and look. It's like, wait, what all got released this year? Because, yeah, one of those things is like once once December rolls around, like you remember like the summer blockbusters, you remember stuff you just saw like, you know, this Friday, like, you, you know, you remember shit you just watched, but it's like. Wait, what came out in February? What came out in January? There was a lot of good shit that came out again this year. But yeah, um, I I had to I went through everything. I, you know, had um runner ups for uh Far From Home, dealing with the fallout of a certain movie, and then Star Wars Episode Nine because I did love it because it is you know the trilogy of the trilogies. It's the ninth Star Wars film. We actually got the final ninth Star Wars film, what's supposed to be the end of the Skywalker storyline, and I actually really enjoyed it. But one company completed a cinematic feat unheard of in the history of film this year. And that was Avengers Endgame. Marvel did the largest bookend storyline that's ever happened in film. That's technically a run of 22 movies over damn near 15 years. And so from Iron Man one to Avengers Endgame, you get almost basically one full storyline, which is insane. And yeah, really just for, you know, hearing on your left and Avengers assemble like that, it wins. It wins. And then the writers give us a movie where not only do you kill the villain, they killed him twice in the same film. (laughs) They created the ultimate bad guy and then give you a time travel heist movie where you get the option to kill the bad guy twice. What other movie has let the good guys kill the bad guy twice? Like, that's insane. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. I absolutely loved it. Endgame was, I cried in the theater when I saw Endgame and I bought it and I watched it like four times the week. I got the Blu-ray. I cried when John Favreau talked about a freaking cheeseburger, not once, but twice. Oh, yeah. The first two times yeah. I watched the movie, he's like, I'll get you all the cheeseburgers you want. And there's just tears rolling down my face. Like, oh God, yeah. John Favreau and, freaking cheeseburger gets me. Yeah. The cheeseburger line got me in the fact that like he didn't have to be in that movie. Like they didn't have to have happy in that movie. The fact that they're like, no, we are all here because John Favreau took a risk 
did Iron Man and fought for Robert Downey Jr. to be cast as that character. Kevin Feige knows that, and he's like, no, we're going to give Favreau the fucking best line at the end of the movie. It's almost we're going like- to have him talking to Tony's kids saying, I'll get you all the cheeseburgers you want, and fucking just making your heart just clutch up. It's almost like he's great at kicking off new universes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The motherfucker that, you know, the chubby dude from swingers. Yeah. He got really good at telling stories, really fucking good at telling stories. <laughs> so when it comes to my pick, I made a point that I wanted to stay away from like the Marvel movies and things like that. Those are obviously going to be at the top of anyone like our list, because these are the kind of things we love. I wanted to go and try and find something that was, what was a movie that I came out going, holy crap, that was a great experience. I wasn't expecting when I came in here and saw that isn't one of the big spectacle movies. And for me, it's one that came out over Thanksgiving. It's Ryan Johnson's Knives Out whodunit movie with Daniel Craig rocking a southern accent as a detective with just an insane ensemble cast that play off of each other really well. It was just a fun callback to those whodunit movies where I didn't quite have the mystery figured out, but I had a lot of fun with it. The characters are great. They took Chris Evans. One of the nicest guys in the world. Eat shit. Yeah. And turned him into you a dirt shit. bag. You eat shit. <laughs> and they turned him into a dirt bag. And I loved it. And you had to know he was having fun getting to play a dirt bag in a movie after uh, always being yeah. a good guy. The guy who is the sentinel of liberty, America's virtue, things like that. He gets to play this asshole-ish kid that's basically telling everyone to eat shit. And it was a <laughs> ton of fun. And you could yep. just see the fact that he was enjoying it. Everyone else was enjoying it on set. It defied yeah. all of my expectations. If... I don't know it's a movie I'm going to rewatch multiple times because half the fun is trying to figure out the mystery. Once you know the mystery, not quite as fun, but I will probably watch it again when it comes out on home release or when it's streaming somewhere because I really did enjoy it. But I went in there not knowing what I was going to get going. I know I like most of Ryan Johnson's films because they're just, I don't mean this insultingly, they're strange. They give you a weird twist. They play with expectations and I have fun with it. And that's exactly what Knives Out was. And I had a blast with it. So I'm purposely veering away from the big spectacle event movies and trying to find something that exists outside of that. And it's knives out. I had a blast with it. Yeah. Knives out was great. And yeah, like the, the Chris Evans role is anti typecasting at its best. It's, it's Mark Hamill being stuck as Luke Skywalker for 20 years and not being able to find a job. And Chris Evans going, no, I need to work motherfuckers. I got Captain America money, but I got like, you know, bills to pay. So I'm going to go do a movie where, yeah, I'm a, a spoiled rich kid that, cusses everybody out and acts like an asshole so that people will remember i'm not captain america i'm just an actor and like he nailed that in this movie and yeah like it like it reminded me of clue like it's a classic ensemble super fucking cast of an incredibly incredibly talented actors with you know in a well shot you know environment where you got almost an entire movie taking place in one house almost the whole film takes place in one you know one location and like some of the shots they were showing like um what was it the the cinematographer because so many characters had eyeglasses they had I done things this. where they had done stuff where they had taken the lights that are pointing at the actors to get them well lit and like marked them up to make them look like window frames so that the reflections in the characters glasses would fit the environment in which they were being shot and filmed like that's insanely genius like they made it to where they didn't have to hide the lights they could actually use the lights and made them part of the environment so it looked correct like yeah, the like the whole cast, the whole crew, the script, the the cinematography of it, the whole thing. Knives Out is a fantastic film, start to finish. The whole thing was just damn well done. 
I really enjoyed it a lot. Evidently, other people did too. I know Rotten Tomatoes isn't the greatest barometer of everything, but it's at a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Nice. And I will also say, I did not, I had not seen Blade Runner 2049, was that it, or 2047? Yeah. Whatever one that was. And one of the guys I follow on Twitter who's big in movies and stuff shares a lot of things from there. And he goes, Anna de Armas was amazing in that. And she goes, he was amazing. She was amazing, rather, in Knives Out as well, which I have to agree with. And I did not realize that she's also in the next Bond movie, too. Wait, so wait, is that the the nurse? Uh, yeah, Marta. Yeah, I'm trying. I only watched the new Blade Runner once. I'm trying to think of who she was in Blade Runner. I, I can go and pull it, but she was evidently in Blade Runner, and he's very complimentary of her there, which I haven't seen yet. I thought she was awesome in Knives Out, and she and Daniel Craig played off of each other really well. So I'm kind yeah. of excited to see that she's in the new James Bond movie also, where she gets to play off of him some more and then presumably get to be a bit badass because in the trailers we see her handling a few different guns. Nice. Yeah, she she was a great actress. I loved her in Knives Out. And for those that do enjoy the numbers, here's the best part. Knives Out had a budget of $40 million, which you got to figure a good chunk of that was Jamie Lee Curtis, Daniel Craig, and Chris Evans. Those three names are going to take a chunk of your budget. They weren't working for scale. $40 million budget so far, it's earned $199 million worldwide. It's at almost $200 million worldwide for a $40 million budget. Yeah. Of a whodunit movie. Like, that's fantastic. It's made five times what it cost to make. And according to IMDb, she played Joy in Blade Runner 2049. J-O-I. Joy. Huh. I'm about to rewatch that. Yeah. Because, yeah, it wasn't a bad flick. It's just, it's a bit long. <laughs> yes, that's what I've heard. But, uh, yeah, I thought she was really good. She was very good. She got to play against everyone in Knives Out, which was a lot of fun. And I imagine from an actor perspective, being like, I get to play against... Jamie Lee Curtis, Chris Evans, Daniel Craig, all of these actors out your product. This is amazing. I get to work with everyone. <laughs> and her character trait is batshit crazy for yes. a screenwriter to put into a movie. But it especially works. <laughs> a, especially a whodunit movie. Because, <laughs> yeah, and it is. It's one of those things where you can't say too much about the movie because you can totally spoil it and ruin it for anyone that's going to watch it. But it's also it's like uh, the Michael Douglas movie, The Game. It's one of those ones where... You can't go rewatch Knives Out like four times in a week. Like it wouldn't be fun. But if you wait five or six years and then go rewatch it again to where you maybe kind of forget some of this stuff, like that's one of those movies you can go back to once every, you know, like once a decade and it will be a fantastic rewatch because you don't remember all the details. Yes. I, I think that's a fair way of putting it. But yeah, that movie, like I said, defied any expectations I had going in. It looked good. I'd seen the positive reviews online and I'd seen the trailers and went, this looks like it could be fun. And I went in and went, Holy crap, this was a revelation. I was not expecting what I got here. I just, I looked at my watch afterwards. I'm like, holy shit, it was this long? I I, I didn't even know how much time had passed because I was so pulled into the movie, which I think is arguably a sign of a good movie. Yeah. If you don't realize more than two hours has gone by, that's that's good writing. Good writing, good pacing, good film. Exactly. So let's move on to our next category. That would be favorite comic, which is obviously probably going to uh, figure it a bit more for one Mr. Anthony Bachman, because I'm not <laughs> reading as many comics as I used to. So why don't you kick us off? I don't know. I figured you'd want to go first because I'm just going to follow you on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the, the the biggest event of the year for me was uh, Hawks and Pox, uh, the House of X and the Powers of X. Uh, Jonathan Hickman got brought in to basically... Uh, destroy and recreate the entire X-Men line of books for Marvel. And Hickman's been known to do this like he did it for the Fantastic Four. He did a version of the Avengers. Like whenever they kind of like hand him a a series of titles at Marvel, they kind of just let him go nuts. And 
basically every time it's been a, you know, you know, he knocks out of the ballpark. He gave us the Galactic Avengers for a while. He gave us, you know, the, I think uh, his was the, the Fantastic Four where they tried to make another Earth and actually, like, get everybody on Earth over to another planet that was a, a fake Earth. Like, it's some crazy stuff. And in this, like, he redid the X-Men completely from a point where all the X-Men were thought to be dead. He brings them all back. We have all the X-Men characters back. And then we have a a new character, which has been part of the X-Men for a while, but he introduced her as actually having a superpower, which we weren't aware of, that she is a mutant, but didn't know she had a power until she died. And then you find out that Moira McTaggart has, I don't know, her power is like a weird immortality legacy thing where it's not that she like can't die. It's that when she dies, she goes back to her birth with all the information from her previous life. And so you get this weird character who on her second time through, like by the time she's a toddler, she knows everything that she knew as like a 30 year old adult, which is very strange. And then she starts living multiple lives and figuring out different ways in which all these alternate futures end up ending and the mutants all end up dying. And then finally figuring out the idea of, one world where they get everybody together and it's basically getting Magneto, Profex, Mr. Sinister, Apocalypse, Exodus, everybody together to create a mutant nation to where they will all co-rule it and then basically make the mutants sovereign again and give all mutants the right to become uh, nationalized uh, citizens of the island of Krakoa and if you are born a mutant anywhere, you have mutant rights on Krakoa and have the freedom to go there no matter who you are. And I think they only really put down two people because they, th- they got rid of Sabretooth. And I can't remember who else, but basically everybody else is allowed to walk around Krakoa for free. And then they figured out a way also to uh, do strike teams to where you can send a team of X-Men off, have them do a mission. They all die and then they get replaced with uh, clone bodies by the a group that can create duplicates all and Profex now X's does photocopies. Brain. Yeah. Yeah. Profex now does photocopies of everybody's personality and their memories on a daily basis and keeps updated copies of everybody, which is super fucking creepy. So I guess technically now all the X-Men in the new books, they're all copies of the X-Men strike team that died taking out the Sentinel Fords that was uh, orbiting the sun that had a giant like master master mold kind of crazy thing going on but yeah just that shit crazy redo of the whole world where you now have mutants are their own nation they're fighting for sovereignty they're fighting for a spot in the un and they're offering drugs to all of humanity that can like extend your life can cure almost every known disease and i can't remember what the third one does but it's like it's utterly ridiculous they just said okay we're not you know like fighting's not working we keep losing we need to actually become something. And they basically form their own government and then form their own financial manufacturing drug company. It's like, okay, so as a drug company and a government, we'll be able to be okay and like stand toe to toe with the other nations. And it was just batshit crazy. It was so much crazy and so much detail. And Hickman came up with an entire new language that's the Cohen language. And like you can actually read part of the comics once you figure out the language. And there was stuff that like there was promos that were sent out on Twitter and stuff that once you cracked the language code, it was actual information about the upcoming comics. And then after Hickman's part was done, they relaunched all the X-Men books with Excalibur and X-Force and X this and X that and X blah, 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 blah. Everything. Yeah. And honestly, I picked up like three of them. And I've already dropped two, and the only one I'm reading is the main book, and it's a little disappointing because it's basically the Summers family plus Wolverine. And I I hope they end up doing something interesting with it, but I'm not seeing it yet. 
it was a huge change that hasn't really had like the great payoff yet. And so I'm still like holding on expecting that we'll get a great payoff, but it just, it's, it's been a bunch of crazy and it was really interesting, but it didn't like have the culmination to it that I was really hoping for like an event type of thing. It wasn't really so much an event as it was world building and Hickman's great at world building. He's one of the best writers at it, but there was, it's, it almost seemed like it came down to like, Hey, we're done. And okay. What was the point? Or, hey, we're mm. done, and what do we do from here? Because yeah, I enjoy a lot of the world-building events and things like that the Hickman does, but it feels like whoever gets stuck with it afterwards is kind of like, what the shit do I do now? <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's mean, like they don't get... They aren't given enough information to keep going forward. It's kind of you've redefined everything and you've changed how everything works, and I don't know quite how to tell a story in this world now. Yeah, and they but, already have like one strike team that like instantly was like, oh, this is a group that's going to go off and do their own thing. Like the Fantastic Four, when he did his whole revamp on that, like while he was in the process of doing it, it was fascinating. And then at the end, yeah. you're like, what? How are they going to continue these stories? I'm very confused because yeah, he was doing Future Foundation and Fantastic Four <laughs> at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about Future Foundation. Um, and then I did have two runners up. Uh, speaking of FF, uh, this year, Dan Slott, after moving off of Spider-Man, took over Iron Man. And then they also had him bring back the FF, which was one of the teams that had been missing with basically Marvel just shitting on Fox and saying, well, we're not going to do X-Men comics in the Fantastic Four. And so they'd actually canceled the Fantastic Four for a while. So uh, Slot was able to bring back the FF. So we got the thing is back and actually married his longtime girlfriend, um, had the world's craziest honeymoon where he had to fight the Hulk while his timer was clicking down to before he turned human for the one day of the year, which was an awesome fight episode because it was just it was almost an entire issue of thing fighting the Hulk. But he had a timer at which he had to he had to beat the Hulk by a certain amount of time or he was going to die because basically Hulk would then be punching a human Ben Grimm. And we all would know how that fight would go. And then um, the FF came back and they found out that Parker had bought their building when he had Parker Industries and then lost it because of Doc Ock and all the other craziness. And so the Baxter building no longer belonged to the FF, which was kind of messed up because they found that out when they came back. And then they moved into a building on Yancey Street for yancey street of course that the thing of bought course. for them which is awesome because now they basically live in like an apartment building on yancey street where like the ff all the kids and their family live and they have you know a giant thing set up there which is just awesome because reed of course filled the the interior of it and made it bigger on the inside than it is on the outside because he likes working inside of tardises but yeah they, they brought the ff back and they've done a really good job with uh the you know they've already had a fight with doom you know, they've had the the whole wedding adventure, they had the fight with the thing, the thing finding the Hulk, and now they're dealing with um the consequences of redoing their first rocket launch and finding out that the um, the original rocket launch that caused their cosmic powers maybe wasn't an accident in the storyline that's going on right now, which is really kind of cool. Because they're on a they're on a different planet and dealing with that. And then uh, my other sh- um, runner up was uh, Superior Spider Man. They ended up giving Doc Ock his own book where he went to Frisco and was actually trying to be a hero and being the protector of San Francisco as the superior Spider-Man. And you know, like it was, a, you know, the idea is designed to fail. Like it's a super villain trying to be a hero. He put himself in like the half clone body that they built during the, the last uh, Spider-Man clone saga thing. He escaped. So he had a body. Uh, what, what do he call himself? Edward Tulliver or something. This is a weird name. But he basically had a physical body that had all of Spider-Man's powers, but didn't look like Parker. But it had a fully, a full copy of Doc Ock's brain without any of his mental problems. And so it was a crystal clear brain. 
with all of Doc's intelligence and a body with all of Parker's powers. So it's basically everything Doc Ock could ever want. And they did a really good job in that book, which I, and it ended up ending this year. But they did a really good job of that book of him showing like how far he was willing to go to actually protect people, where he would be kind of villainous to you know protect the citizens of Frisco. And so it was cool to see him as you know basically playing like an antihero, almost like the Punisher, where like it wasn't running around murdering people, but like he fought a team of supervillains, and then instead of fighting them, he just bought them and put them in his employee, and then said, "If you guys do this, this, and this, you'll get paid." And they're like, "All right, fine. We're villains. We like getting paid." And so, like, he took the super team in town that was have, causing problems. He just bought them. And then they uh, very specifically did one episode where after the 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 War of the Gods thing where the Norse ice trolls attacked everywhere, uh, Doc Ock had figured out a way to phase all the people of Frisco out of reality, like out of touch with reality. So where basically the civilians couldn't be hurt by the the frost trolls. And so then he ended up going around, bouncing around through a bunch of different wormholes and stuff, trying to help people with different teams and stuff. But some people ended up dying. And the follow-up issue was great because you had Doc Ock basically pissed because he couldn't figure out why he couldn't save everybody. He's like, I'm fucking smarter than everybody. I'm stronger. I'm faster. I'm more intelligent than anybody I've ever dealt with. I'm smarter than anybody I've ever had to deal with. Why couldn't I save everybody? And it's actually pissing him off. And that was the issue that they brought Peter Parker in to visit him. And basically Parker has a talk with him and like, he's really seeing that like Doc Ock's trying, like it's actual Doc Ock, but he's trying to be a hero and he's pissed off that people died. And Parker finally tells him that's what being a hero is. If you were okay with those people dying, then I'd be worried. But the fact that it makes you angry, you're good. Like that's what makes a hero. You're mad. You couldn't save everybody. I'm okay with that because we can't save everybody, but you keep trying. And like, it was a great fucking issue. And also uh, Matt Hawthorne's artwork for the whole length of the book, Matt Hawthorne killed it on that book. It's a gorgeous book. Like that's one I would like to go back at some point and get a page of because his superior Spider-Man drawings are just awesome. And he's also a really good, uh, like Instagram follow for, he actually just puts up like chunks of pages as he's working on them. Yeah. That was my other, my other runner up. There's some good comics this year. I, I went with the X-Men revamp by Hickman too, just because <laughs> it was mind boggling what all they changed and tweaked and messed around with. And you went, huh, well, this has got potential going forward. And I haven't read a ton since he finished doing that, but to hear it's not going as far as we'd hoped, that might be a little disappointing, but I do have some good news, ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching live joining us now, one <laughs> Willie D Nelson. Hey, 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 everybody. How's it going? Sorry Hello. I couldn't be here earlier. I had some problems where uh, it's very painful to walk. No worries, Very man. painful. No worries. Now, we talked some stuff in pre-show, but what we are at now is running down some of our best ofs from 2019 to recap the year. And we're only two in right now. So if we step back a sec, Willie, what was your favorite movie of 2019? Nothing really sticks out from this year. It's like, oh, that was really, really good. I mean, sure, you had Endgame, but that was, you know, we knew that was going to be, you know, they didn't really exceed expectations with that one, except for that, that, uh, on your left scene. That was, that was extremely well. That was true. <laughs> Culmination. Good. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I did watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I think that was a good movie. That's fair. Uh, that's the most recent thing from this year that 
I've seen, so that's why it sticks out. But so nothing for, for background. I went with Knives Out. Bachman went with uh, I haven't seen that yet. Avengers oh, game, and then touched on some of the other stuff that came out around. I purposely made a point of trying not to touch on one of the the big giant <laughs> box office spenders. Because, he knew I was going to. Well, that's fair. Well, you're predictable, Bachman. Ooh, yeah, we true. were in the favorite comic category. I didn't know if you had anything to add in the favorite. Ah, uh, you haven't really read comics. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to say, what is it called? It is it's the only comic I bought this year. <laughs> Detective with a uh, little panther. Oh, oh, oh! Lock crap. and key. Lock. Yeah. Or no, uh, Spencer and Lock. Uh, Spencer and Lock. Spencer and Lock. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the only one I bought this year. Damn it. That's my favorite <laughs> this year. Well, there you go. So that takes us nice. to our third category here. Favorite streaming show. This is something that is only on a streaming service like Amazon Prime, Hulu, Netflix, uh, things like that. Willie, do you do you want to kick us off on this one? There are so many good ones that have just yeah, recently come out too. Uh, but there's one uh, my favorite. It's not new this year, but is I didn't find it till this year. Letter Kenny. I figured you. I figured that was going to be what he went with. Didn't a new season come out too? It did. I'm like two, three episodes in. I okay. think I just got to watch a little bit. So that works. That works. And thank God. Yeah, they had two new seasons I know of that came out this year. One only two months ago, and one was it Friday. So yay. Yeah, I haven't watched. I'm still back in season two of Letterkenny. So as long as you watch season two, episode three, the butthole episode. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that, that is that is the pinnacle of the entire the entire series. I'm gonna say. That's such a good show. That's fair. So <laughs> I'll go next. Until Friday of this week, it had not cemented its first place position. But as of Friday of this week, it is The Mandalorian that was my favorite streaming show for 2019. Just to see how it all came together at the end. They did a ton of world building in episodes one through six. And then in episode seven, they set things up to basically be the final showdown. And then episode eight, you just get... The ridiculous final showdown, you get Giancarlo Esposito's Moff Gideon just being a complete and utter badass, fighting the Mandalorian in a jetpack. Oh, and then a little reveal at the end that if you watch Clone Wars... Yeah. Willie, am I supposed to stop? Have you not seen it yet? I have not seen the last episode yet. All right. I won't say uh, any more then. Uh, no, no, you go ahead if you can just uh, uh, it's def- keep it's, the it's, spoilers low. It full-on like wedges... Clone Wars and something that was done in that show and Rebels and Rebels and then brings it into the live action in a way that I'm not sure we ever thought we would see. Yes. And it's literally like the last scene and it's so fucking cool. Uh, (laughs) Uh, And it makes Giancarlo Esposito even cooler than he already was, which shouldn't be possible. Yes. (laughs) Episode eight is full of all sorts of cool showdowns battles fight scenes revelations of what's going to happen going forward and just setting up a whole bunch of cool stuff for season two which favreau then went on twitter and confirmed is fall 2020 yes for season Ooh. two of mandalorian it needs to be like letter it needs to be like man come out in two months that would be nice wouldn't it but well they're still filming it so it's not going to be that soon yeah oh do you see this teardrop coming down my face i do see that teardrop but Get- to work so for me uh the mandalorian positioned itself to get the number one spot after i watched friday and had watched the full season and went okay this was really good yes there is legitimate criticism that it kind of slows down and there's not a ton going on in some of the middle episodes but it's on purpose Uh, i think this is a show that is well served by the fact it was not something that all eight episodes were dropped 
on one day. It was something you watched from week to week and it built upon itself because I think that's what helped build up the hype. And if you go and look at social media, there's a lot of hype every Friday when one of these things came out about Baby Yoda mentions or just cool things that were happening in The Mandalorian. It was neat. Prior to that, it was probably The Boys that was in second place because I haven't finished The Witcher yet, but I am close to finishing The Witcher and I have really enjoyed The Witcher so far as well. And dear God, Henry Cavill is jacked in that show. <laughs> yes. I was Holy like, Holy crap. Was, was he that jacked for Superman? No, he is more jacked than he was as Superman. And he, he did an interesting interview where he said, I purposely wanted to make myself bigger than I ever was before because to be Gerald, you kind of have to be. And then he started also yeah. talking about the fact that all the fight scenes and stunt work, he does his own stunt work. There's no one else in there that is playing the role of Gerald when really? he's doing the sword fighting. It's all Henry Cavill yeah. because and he wanted you... to be Gerald and he wanted to portray Gerald, not just be the guy who speaks as yeah. Gerald. But did you un did you hear about the women who don't like how jacked he is? Because let's on. be honest, most women are very happy with how Jack Gerald is, but not the costume designers. Oh, yes. Oh. He is actually wearing through leather costumes because his muscles are wearing down his costumes because he's so fucking big. There was actual thing on uh, on a I think it was Twitter I saw an interview where they said the only downside of the shows we've had to keep remaking his costumes because he keeps wearing through them and they're actually made out of leather. Yes. Like he's literally like tearing apart armor. Polygon did a uh, behind the scenes thing <laughs> like, with them. They spent a week out in Poland while they were filming it and they were saying the that was the problem there. And part of what was going on is Henry Cavill was basically just wearing his armor all the time, too. Like, they came on set, yeah. and he's in full armor. He's making breakfast for people well, on set in full like, armor. <laughs> taking it off and putting it back on. Like, that no, would no. probably take Th so this, damn long. This was in the morning. Like he just kept yeah. his armor on overnight, from what they were saying, to oh, make overnight? it so that, so that <laughs> it would look lived in. This is what he was trying to do, is make well, the armor look lived yeah. in and worn. So, like, he was wearing it off of set and stuff like that. That I guess. makes sense. And to also to piggyback on top of that, kudos to the uh, the costume designers for actually yeah. making it so he could do that. Like, let me make some breakfast for everybody, you know, stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah they made it enough where he can move. Yeah, and it's a fantastic looking outfit. Like that outfit they got for him is fucking great. He looks like a video game character. Like he looks awesome. Now, one thing to keep in mind with this, and the showrunners have said it, including the writer of The Witcher books, is that this is not the video games. They will not be adapting anything out of the video games. It is an adaptation of the books. They're making oh, it, is that what they're this making series it is very books? clear that the video games do not tie in to what ah. they're doing here. This is based off the books. And the author of the books has basically said, Henry Cavill is Gerald of Rivia. Nice. Well, in all fairness, I started watching the series after I saw Rise of Skywalker. So I got home at like one o'clock in the morning that night and I was super tired and like half an hour in the first episode, it was just too much talking and I went to bed. So I've only seen yeah. the first half hour and I never played the games, but what mm -hmm. I've seen so far looked great. So <laughs> it, it, the only thing that I would, put as a strike against it for lack of a better term is that they're doing a lot of world building it seems to set up season two because you get stories about Siri stories about Yennefer and stories about Gerald and they haven't crossed over much until episode five when you start having Yennefer and Gerald interacting and what they're building towards when you watch episode one is that Siri is going to Gerald he's supposed to protect her things like that you don't get that I guess from what I read until like the very end of episode eight to basically set up season two so season one is a lot mm. of setup for where they're going with it and the thing that it took me a while to grapple with is they're playing around with stories being told at different timelines or different time frames and you don't really know it so like 
you get stories with Siri that are taking place in let's just call it current time frame. But then you get stories like the origins of Yennefer, which could be hundreds of years in the past. But they're not yeah. really telling you that oh. that part is hundreds of years in the past. So you eventually start to see how it's all woven together and how in this episode, Geralt and Yennefer's stories are taking place hundreds of years in the past, potentially. And series is taking place in what is the current time frame of the show. So it gets a little confusing there until you start making that connection. But I have had a lot of fun with The Witcher. There are problems a little bit of as you could put it when it comes to just being able to tell timelines and things like that i think one of the funniest reviews i saw was entertainment weekly that was just like we don't understand why there's an orgy scene here and i was like well why not because they can <laughs> i mean i don't think they really knew when they put it into the video game too because it's yeah. netflix there's no restrictions well and Have realistically fun. it's more a display of yennefer's powers is that she's causing that to happen it, it's eh. it's fascinating uh in I did not know much about Yennefer and most of the actors in this movie, aside or show rather, aside from Henry Cavill, I've never heard of. But the actress who's playing Yennefer, she's really good as well. I mean, I love and I hate at the same time the fact that there's hardly any exposition. I love that. I like, yeah, let's just get to it. Let's just do it. And I'm like, but wait, what's going on? (laughs) Like, it's still a great show. It's the type of world building where you have to really like pay attention to as, and like it's filling in as it goes, but it's not telling you stuff. Yeah, I think it'll be one of those shows that'll be uh, way more amazing on the second watch through when I have a better idea of what's going on. And they did <laughs> yeah. already renew it for season two back in November before it even yep. came out. And did you hear that someone else wants to be in season two? That is true. Mark Hamill, potentially, mm-hmm. has, nice. is petitioning for a role because there is a character everyone's like, man, this would be really good for Mark Hamill. And he I, he said something on Twitter, I think, to the effect of, I don't really know who this character is, but I'd totally do it. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't mind working. Yeah. yeah. You go and look at I the mean, character he played in Vikings, I guess. And everyone's like, oh, this would work really well for Mark Hamill to play this role in Witcher. Yeah, I mean, what else has Mark Hamill done besides Star Wars? I mean, don't say the Giver. <laughs> I was going to uh, say the Trickster. Batman, the animated series. The Joker. I know it's a joke. Spider-Man, the animated series. Who was he in that? He was the Hobgoblin. He was Hobgoblin. You're talking about the original 90s one? Yeah. Or you're talking about like one of the, the weird remakes, like the one on MTV? The 90s, 90s one yeah. with Christopher Daniel Barnes as Peter Parker. He's done a lot of voiceover work. He has. But I mean, movie-wise. That's fair. So that was my pick for best streaming series and the tangent I went on. Uh, Bachman, what do you got for us? Uh, my number one also was The Mandalorian. Uh, it's a Western. It's an Eastern. It's retelling old cowboy stories. It's retelling some lone wolf and cub stories. Like, it's it's just, you know, nailing down some of the classic stories. There's an entire episode that's basically The Mand- Magnificent Seven, except it's The Magnificent Two. Like they've they've redone some some classic stories and yeah it's like it's a fantastic mercenary western outlaw that just happens to be taking place in the Star Wars world and yeah the the introduction the the characters they've added the new stuff we've got to see the introduction of Brian Posehn and Bill Burr to the Star Wars universe I find is hilarious because those were two comedians I'd never thought I'd see in Star Wars and yeah the like those two those two goofs like it's so awesome and Bill Burr is just like the world's angriest mercenary just works like it just works so good he was hilarious in that episode but yeah uh mandalorian was awesome i mean yeah i'm i'm, I'm rocking the mando's shirt we gotta I, I dig the child the child is very cool i'm i'm gonna be excited to see what they hopefully actually give the damn character a name at some point would be nice um but then uh for my runners up uh, umbrella academy <gasps> came out this year 
Umbrella Academy oh, was yeah. fantastic. That's one I of the best things that it. Netflix has done. God damn um, it, Chris. <laughs> Ellen Page is super talented in it, playing uh, the violinist. as uh, I think what, here she's six or eight, whatever the number sequence is. But yeah, all the actors they got for that show, it's great. They did number some seven? amazing special effects. Six, seven, eight, I can't remember. I think she was seven. She might have been seven. Number seven! But yeah, that was that was a great show. They did a good job, and it's one of those ones where I can't wait for it to come back, because damn, they did some cool stuff. I and, uh, wish yeah, they ended the boys. one episode early, because that's too big of a cliffhanger. They left on that with a little bit of cliffhanger, uh, like, oh, that's cool. But the next episode, thing. you're like, no, you can't <laughs> end on this. It's a good cliffhanger. What's wrong with you? And then, yeah, I love the it. boys, fucking uh, Billy Butcher and the whole crew, like they did the boys just as violent and as bloody as it should have been from the get go. Um, the artwork they put in the show is awesome because Derek Robertson's artwork's being shown to the world. So the people that didn't read the comic are still getting to see his art. And yeah, all the actors they cast in that, like from the dude that plays Homelander, just being a perfect psychotic Superman, uh, the girl playing Starlight, um, freaking uh, Carl Urban as Billy Butcher. And his ridiculous accent. Mm. Like, it's so perfect. Like, everything about that show, it's just as enjoyable as you want it to be if you were a fan of the comic, which, you know, is violent and bloody and crazy. And then um, also on Hulu, uh, the one that I loved and could not wait to watch every goddamn episode, Wu-Tang, an American saga. The creation of seeing how the Wu-Tang Clan came together as a bunch of kids living, you know, living in uh, the boroughs in New York. And the actors on that show are just phenomenal. The guy playing uh, Bobby Digital, who will end up becoming the RZA, uh, the the guy that's playing a young version of Old Dirty Bastard, um, the dude that's playing Shotgun that becomes Method Man, like the actors they got to play these roles are just so talented, and the show like pulls no punches. Like you, know, you got cops murdering people in freaking uh, I think as either Brooklyn or Staten Hill, I can't remember where the hell they were where that when that kill happened, but like the show is insane and it shows you just the craziness that these guys went through growing up where they did and you know some of the shit they had to deal with and like it was a fantastic show and I can't wait to see what they do with the with the next season of it because like it's not done yet and so yeah that was a good I'm I'm, I'm thinking they probably won't get more than two or three seasons because at this pace I think by the end of season two you will basically will be the Wu Tang Clan. But yeah, um, just some of the background info, and of course, you know, it's fictionalized for TV to make certain things, you know, more entertaining or whatever. But like, yeah, they, like these guys went through some crazy shit growing up, and so seeing seeing that the Wu Tang Clan became what it is, like, it makes a lot of it makes a lot more sense to me now how they all came together to do what they do as a this giant rap group. But yeah, great show, just great show, super fun to watch. I will have to go check that. There's a bunch of stuff that just looks really good. I I can't watch it all, and uh, but uh. Yeah, go ahead. Let, let us not forget. Toss a coin to your witcher. I was waiting oh, for Valley it. Valley of Plenty. That song has been stuck in my head since I saw it. And then, of course, they play it throughout the entire credits. And I was like, <laughs> I guess the composer who did that, she put it up on her SoundCloud for free. You can listen to it there. It is also available on Spotify, but it has not hit any of the other music services yet. The oh. Witcher soundtrack. Well, let me just add it to my playlist right quick on Spotify. That's my fine. main just playlist. Play it. <laughs> so you don't tell me how to live my life. Well, you can't play it during the show. Let me rephrase because we'll get taken down. But feel free to toss a coin to your Witcher or, you know, to your favorite podcast. Uh, podcast. There's a playlist. Where's an. I just want a song. Ta- who does know. it? Well, while you're looking for that, let's move on to the next category, which I'm not sure how much I can contribute here without getting into politics. So I will not contribute in this category. But his favorite book for 2019. I've been reading a lot of political books. 
books and Ah. investigative things that tend to touch on politics. And that's probably best to uh, dodge for coverage on the podcast. And then most of the other (laughs) things I've been reading aren't really new books. It's old stuff I've been reading, like the Knights of the Old Republic Darth Revan book that I picked up for 99 cents and stuff like that. So I don't really have anything current I can contribute for favorite book of 2019. So I'll toss things over to Bachman, though. All right, uh, by runners up would be uh, the Game of Thrones. I picked up a bunch of box sets this year. I reread um, the first book of the Hunger Games and then finished reading that series. I read uh, all five of the Percy Jackson books, and then I picked up the five book set of Game of Thrones. And so I read through um, the first and second books, and so I'm now started on the third. And yeah, new to me, they didn't come out this year, but they I, I read them this year, the first two, and yeah, those those books are. So 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 good and i see now like why people were like crazy or like oh god they're making a series of this i can't believe they're gonna do it there's so many characters like there's so much stuff to keep track of and honestly it's it's of course the case like it's not shocking at all that the books are better like i'm really excited to see where the books go by comparison to the show because i haven't seen the last season so i'm not super disappointed with game of thrones yet i'm still happy with where i am on the show so at some point i'll see the end of it but yeah so i read those new to me this year those were really great uh but my book of the year was actually scythe um, uh, a friend at work told me about it and uh, got a copy of it from uh, Amazon, read that through. It's another uh, like young adult world, another weird dystopian future. But this is one where we have conquered death. And so um, basically humans can live forever. And so what's been instituted, instituted is this policy of randomness where like people get chosen for different reasons, depending on different whatever. And a scythe shows up and basically ends your life. And so the people that get chosen to do this job are basically government sanctioned murderers that keep the population down because people are still having kids, but people no longer die. And so you have this weird job where they're like the most revered people in public, but they're also the people that scare the hell out of people because you're the only way you die is if an accident happens and you can't get rebooted into your body or a site shows up and takes you out. And so then you get this, uh, the main character taking on two apprentices at the start of the book and just, you know, crazy shit happens, but like, it's a really cool world. Uh, apparently the second and third books have already come out. It's one of those ones. Like I, I can't imagine it's not going to be the next hunger games or Harry Potter. Like I have a feeling we're going to see a, a trilogy of movies about this announced at any point, And they'll be coming out and doing like a three movie series. But yeah, it's another really cool young adult dystopian future. But yeah, this one's got some crazy stuff in it because you have a guy taking two teenagers and teaching them all about like every different type of weapons known to man, poisons, martial arts, like every different way you can kill somebody. And then as a scythe, you choose how you take people out. So once you decide to kill somebody, like there's people that like will literally sit down and have a meal with them and poison them and then they slip away and you know they're, they're, they're gone. And there's other sites that are fucking kind of psychopaths and will show up to a building with a flamethrower and just murder everybody with a flamethrower because that's what they want to do. And that's their job. Like, it's a weird fucking world. That's but cool. yeah, it's it's something I think we might see on the on the on the big screen pretty soon now that there's a trilogy of books. Like, it's just it's just right for the picking. Someone somewhere is selling that to a studio right now. So or on a streaming series or something like that. Yeah, too. on a streaming series. I think we will see Scythe at some point in the near future on the screen. And it will be it'll be damn interesting because it that first book was good. I'm waiting to I need to pick up the second one 
and paperback. I think the third one just hit in hardbacks. Yeah. As soon as I can, I'll be reading the rest of those. Cause yeah, that was a crazy novel. Well, and <laughs> side note, I just ordered uh, the last wish also known as introducing the Witcher on Amazon. Cause it's the Kindle deal of the day for four deal of the day for four bucks. So now I can start nice. reading the Witcher books Nice. translated from Polish to English because I don't know Polish. Sorry guys. Chris. Yes. Can I, uh, have, let me just interject here with them. Uh, cunts of the week. That'd be you, Chris, for giving me hope because <laughs> toss a coin to your Witcher is not on Spotify. It said it was you gave when me I was hope. on Polygon. You gave me hope. Well, it shows up, but it's blacked out. Oh. oh. Well, maybe it's not anymore, but it was supposedly. Mm. The I, po- I tried to add They have also it's shared the like Polish it. version of Toss a Coin to your Witcher that you can find online now, so you can hear it. I don't speak Polish. I don't either, but it's interesting because it's, <laughs> you know, the books were originally written in Polish. Willie, if you want, I can just send you the SoundCloud link to where you can find the song. No, because I want to add it to my playlist on Spotify. Well, I don't know what to tell you, Willie. I'm sorry. I will go. You can say say I'm a piece of shit, Willie. I knew that. I will go and look again and see if I can't find it for you. How about that? (laughs) How about I throw things to you right here, though, because next category, Willie, is your favorite game of 2019, and this could be tough for you. You play the most games out of any of us here, Mm -hmm. so we're gonna make this tough, and we're gonna go to you first. All right, all right, all right. So I do remember saying earlier this year that Dragon Quest Eleven was, but I found out that didn't come out. That came out last year, so which I didn't know what year it came out. I wasn't really into it, so I didn't pick it up till this summer. And I had so much fun. Still need to go beat it though. But I'm well over a hundred hours into it. <laughs> um, but you know what? I'm gonna mimic back in 2015 what my favorite game of the year was because. I was going through a bit of a rough time at the end of 2015, and a certain game came out that hit perfectly in the right spot of everything I wanted it to be, and it just made me feel better about myself. Not 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 because sorry, just because I because I found this thing I like, and as that was until dawn. I bring this up because this year Supermassive came back with Man of Medan, which is a very similar game. It's a shorter game than Until Dawn, of course, because this is going to be part of an anthology series. And this is the very first one, so there's some roughness to it. They're probably working out. Hope they work on some of the um, the stuttering issues. But other than that, uh, the, the story is really well done. I like the fact that you can play it by yourself. You can play it in a room full of people, and everyone like passes the controller. Everyone, like, um, between one to five people, uh, you can... You pass controller. Everyone controls a character. So when it's that character's turn up, you pass it to that person. That's awesome. Or you can play online with someone where you both control two different people, and that does switch and swap. You know who you're playing as, but there's always like five. One of the five characters, you and your friend, are going to be one of them at the same time and doing similar things. Uh, and apparently, recently they introduced a friend pass thing where you can. Uh, send out like something where they can download it or somewhere a friend that doesn't have it can download it and you have one full playthrough you can play together with it. That's so. pretty cool the friend pass. They did a buddy pass thing with the last Wolfenstein game which was similar too that you could basically give a free online version to your friend. Hmm. So uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. I can't remember the title of it. It's Little Something I think off the top of my head but I'm looking forward to that. It has the, uh, the kid from... Um, was it Meet the Millers or Were the Millers? We're the Millers, I think. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, he's the one the who Millers. says, 
He's the kid that's going, wait, you guys are getting paid? It's that guy, mm-hmm. that actor. I can't remember his name because <laughs> I don't think I ever learned it, but I'll, I know it's that guy. There you go. Interesting. Inter- that is an interesting pick, Willie. You're not going to like my pick. Is it Fallout 76? <laughs> <laughs> it is not Fallout 76, but what it is, because I just have to go based off of the amount of time and the fun I've had playing said game. It's Pokemon Shield slash Sword. I've got 80 hours into it right now. I've had a ton of fun playing it with Willie, playing the game with my wife, playing the game with Raids Online, just trying to go through and catch all of the Pokemon. No, it does not have as many Pokemon as some of the other games. I understand there's a lot of people that are complaining about that on the internet. I don't care. That doesn't bother me. I've got 80 some odd hours in on this game. Might be close to 90 now. And I've just had fun with it. Even if it's just a matter of sitting down and doing a bunch of random raids trying to catch weird stuff or exploring to find strange Pokemon. There's not a ton of post-game content, but the online capability, while it may be semi-broken, when it works, leads to some fun stuff. Uh, Willie can attest to the fact the online sucks sometimes when you're trying to raid with people because your feed doesn't refresh often enough to show people and or sometimes it doesn't refresh at all to show you Dynamax raids and it's super annoying. Hopefully they put a patch out that fixes that. But my understanding is Game Freak doesn't really patch very often unless it's a critical issue. And this is more annoying than critical. So I doubt we will see anything extra when it comes to Pokemon Sword and Shield there. But I've had a lot of fun with that. Uh, God, if I had to give honorable mentions, this is top 76. Yeah, that's a dishonorable mention. Uh, (laughs) I I really did enjoy uh, Jedi Fallen Order, but I've only got about six hours into it. So I don't know that I've got enough time to actually rate slash review it. This other than just to say I've really enjoyed it and it's fun. And I did see there was a slick deal. Now you get it for like 36 bucks at Target. You have to do uh, store pickup or whatever, car pickup or whatever, but they'll give it to you for like 36 bucks, I guess, which is hmm. kind of cool. I'm, I'm not sure it might be cheaper right now until the 5th of January on the PSN to download. Yeah, I think. I'm not sure because I know they're doing a big sale. And that's one of them. I can't remember how much it is, though. So sorry if it's not cheaper. And I don't think Marvel's Spider-Man on PS4 came out this year. I think that was last year. Yeah, so. That was last okay. year. That was last year. So perfect. That keeps me out of trouble there. So right now, it's Pokemon Sword and Shield based off the fact that's what I've played so much time into. There's probably other games that you could argue are better games, but this is the one I've had the most fun with this year so far. Just the fact that it has so many, not problems, I'd ask the wrong word, but it's just... It could have been so much better. I'm not even talking about the the full Pokedex thing. That's not it. Just like the online thing. Just like, and like some of the ways to catch some things. It's just like the story even was just like most of the story was just like, hey, there's something awesome going over there. Don't worry about that. You continue on getting those gems, little kid. Go on. Don't worry. We'll take care of this until the very end. Am I wrong, Chris? You're not wrong. But I will say I had a ton of fun playing the game. And that's honestly... Oh, I'm not going to take that away. That's honestly what it came down to for me when I had to pick my favorite game this year is what is the game I've had the most fun playing? And it's that game right now. That's not to say there's not other games that are technically better or would review with higher scores because I'm sure there are. But for me, this is just... Favorite game should be the one should be categorized as me as the game I had the most fun with this year. Fair. What do you got for us, Bachman? Uh, I think, yeah, mine was the same thing. It was the game I had the most fun with after, Anthem. uh, 
over. I had a little, little tiny, tiny bit of fun. Uh, I had a tiny bit of some fun with Anthem. I've One got, step forward, I'm, three steps back. I'm going to try it. I picked it up when it was like five bucks at GameStop. It is installed on my Xbox. I just For haven't five it bucks. It is a beautiful Iron Man flight simulator. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, is that after, your choice? Uh, uh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> no, but I was saying, just after, joking. After the problems that they had with the season of the skulls, their version of a Halloween event where it was just unbelievably grindy. There's like a hundred people left playing that game and they made an event where if you didn't play it 60 hours a week, you couldn't unlock everything, which is insane to make something that hard when your game's already been shit on by basically every person in your industry. And then they turned around and did the ice tide and they made the events easier. So you didn't have to work it like a job and you could still unlock stuff. But then a week into it, decided to do an update, which then purged all progress that anybody had made on the event. And their answer to that was to say, oops, sorry, start over. We're yeah, the, sorry. Just think of the just, South Park episode where yeah, the BP oil just still happens. keep shitting on themselves. One step forward, three steps back with Anthem. When it works, it's one of my favorite games to play. And I do still enjoy just hopping in, jumping into free play, flying around and shooting some stuff. I still enjoy that part. And they finally did give you the ability to craft legendary items, which probably the game should have had a year ago when it came out. But no, my um, my pick is after almost, I think it was a year and a half or so of playing the toxicity that became Overwatch and just getting to the point where I hated that game and did not ever want to play it again. A game came out with no fanfare that nobody knew was coming and rocked the fucking world and became the shooter of the year, and that is Apex Legends. That's My game wow. of the year. It's a lot of figure out what you're talking about. Yeah, because I like doing shooters with my friends, but doing a six-on-six six where it's specific objectives and the fucking characters that counteract the other characters, like just the, the toxicity that had become Overwatch where getting a fun game had become so hard, and then jumping into Apex where you only need two friends on your team, you have a three-man squad, the abilities aren't so insane as they are in Overwatch to change the whole fucking functioning of the world where you have, you know, just, you know, people doing different smaller things that boost your abilities or whatever. And then having this large open map world where you're shrinking down, you know, battle royale style and having, you know, 20 teams of three guys going in there fighting. And then the fact that in it's only been a year, Apex came out in February in less than a year, they've done three seasons they did their first event and realized how poorly like they priced it and instantly turned around with the second event and did it way different. They did two different town takeovers in the original Kings Canyon map. And then by the third season and each season gave us a new character that you can buy with in-game coins that you earn that you don't have to pay money for. You can buy every character in the game without giving them a dollar. The only thing you can't get in the game, you know, was you know certain limited skins. And then, you know, a lot of us ran up to level 100 real damn quick. Most of us before we left Kings Canyon and got to melt down the new map that's in season three. But then season three, we got a new map. We got a new character. We got new game modes. They had a probably the best Halloween event I've ever played in a video game with the fucking going back to Kings Canyon at night. And when you die, you turn into a zombie and try to hunt the other legends. Like the Shadowfall mode was one of the coolest things I ever played. And just the the, the skins and stuff that you got for playing that were awesome. And then now, you know, the Halloween of, or the holiday event that's going on right now with the hollow days with Mirage's town takeover in um, Meltdown and the train um, attack sequence where it's King of the Hill on a train that's going around in a loop. 
like all the upgrades and changes that they made, the changes to pricing and stuff where they've been like, this is the one company that EA is like kind of letting respawn be apparently more in control of what's going on because they seem to be very responsive to what the, the community says about an event. Like they made it to where, you know, getting certain unlocks and stuff were way easier. They've been, you know, just super responsive about everything and then building characters, building some of the coolest skins of any game I've ever seen, adding in charms and stuff. And then realizing these people have been at level 100 forever. What's the fucking point of that? You can't earn apex packs anymore. It's getting kind of grindy. And they're like, Oh, we're going to move the level cap from 100 to 500. Go earn 400 more levels worth of free apex packs and game charms and guns and badges. And we've have 400 more levels for you to grind through now where you actually feel like you're getting progress and earning stuff. So yeah, I have had more fun playing fucking apex legends than any game I've played in the last couple of years. So yeah, that that is my game of the year. I love Apex Legends, and I got my little Lifeline Funko Pop next to my TV. I have my main, so if I'm not doing a challenge, I'm playing Lifeline, and fucking AJ Shea is coming through, guys. I love it. So much fun. More Funko Pops. Damn right. <laughs> uh, I will say, I've been going back to Titanfall, too, and playing that. It's a great game. I love that game. Mm. Yeah, I've been yeah. playing just the multiplayer. I haven't never even beat the single the player. The multiplayer is yeah. fun. The single player is actually really fun too in that game. I've never even logged into the multiplayer. I downloaded it and started the single player and I'm really enjoying it, especially because it is, you know, the the Apex Legends world that Titanfall takes place in. So they're, you know, the 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 button layouts basically the exact same except for the abilities and the Titan versus having, you know, different um legend abilities so yeah playing in that world is fun as hell and i love the titan like it's a cool way to run a mech like what if they brought last what if they brought a titan to uh apex if they could figure out a way to do that and not break the gameplay it would be very interesting no 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 i want it to be broken <laughs> just for just for a gameplay. bit i would love just like like what is going <laughs> how come i can't get a titan blah, blah. i want to see that oh. just for a little bit just really a little a titan event where there's a, twi- a titan event. want titan chaos event would be cool yeah. Where you have to like run in and take out a Titan with your three man squad. That would be kind of cool. They could maybe do that. Um, and then also I did have a runner up uh, Dead by Daylight with the updates they've done, the added characters and finally giving themselves a battle pass to give you a reason to grind that game instead of just dailies, like adding the archive, the tome and just a ton of free stuff that you could unlock by doing what is basically a battle pass. They just call it the Rift. Um, that was a great update. Like that's one of the best updates that they've had to the game since it came out. And it's made me keep playing it where it had gotten to the point where I was like, I don't really think I want the Oni. Like, I'm not really sure I want to even get that patch. It's like, eh, I'll just keep working on the ones I'm working on and end up unlocking all the things. It's like, oh, here's a battle pass. And so the stuff you're doing anyway now will earn you Rift Shards, and it will earn you more blood points. And yeah, so I mean, I've been grinding the hell out of that game, and though I'm still not far enough into the battle pass since there's only 10 days left. I got until next tuesday to finish it and i'm not sure if i'm gonna make it <laughs> wait this coming tuesday or the tuesday after the tuesday after so oh. as of today there's nine days in nine days the rift closes so if you don't if you're not at level 70 at that point you won't get it so yeah i'm gonna try to get as high as i can and then i might possibly have to buy the last couple of levels with or excels yeah that by the way it's been up to oh and a uh, will Powter is that guy's name willie the actor Oh yeah, yeah. Oh god, I thought I, forgot. I was like it took me a second to realize well, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> I had looked it up but I forgot to mention it. <laughs> and then we hey, have, it's my name. We have yep. one last category here for favorite music of twenty nineteen. Toss a coin to your you witcher. Beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So is that song in the credits? Oh, Valley of It is in episode three or four. The Bard sings it, and then they put it uh, in the credits after the Bard makes the song. Okay. It, it's pretty delightful. Uh, yeah, so toss coin to your Witcher. I was going to go with Alan Silvestri's Portals song for Avengers Endgame, but honestly, I'm going to pull an audible here at the last second. Uh, it's going to go to John Williams for the Rise of Skywalker soundtrack, not necessarily because of great love for the movie or anything, but respect 42 years of doing star wars uh yeah. soundtracks respect to john williams he said it was his last one the music's pretty damn solid so kudos to you john williams and i'm not really super musically inclined guys i, I listen to music occasionally but i do mostly podcasts so. <laughs> what is this category i don't i don't know of any music that came out this year well I'm not. you're not paying attention <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah, John Williams is awesome. And yeah, it doesn't matter if you like that movie or not. There's still scenes where he hits you in the feels with the score. Like, it's not even what's happening on screen. It's the music that's drawing you in. That dude still kills it. But apparently, Willie didn't listen to any music this year, so he doesn't know what's going well, on. Well, I mean, I don't know what came out of that. Here's, here's <laughs> what I've been adding to my playlist recently. You have Southside by Moby, Son Toss of a Preacher, and Dusty Springford, <laughs> uh, Kids in America, Kim Wilde, Torn, Natalie and Prugia. Girl from Oklahoma, Still Panther. Somebody's watching me, Rockwell. I mean, what do you what do you want from me here? <laughs> that was the first album I bought. <laughs> My first album was Americana by the Offspring. Nice. I bought, first, I bought a vinyl of Rockwell with the song Somebody's Watching Me on it. Somebody's watching me. No, uh, one of us do it. he's not listening to podcasts at work. I uh, listen to Spotify, and so I will listen to my new weekly updates and get new stuff in my music every once in a while uh but no uh this year for me uh luke combs luke combs tied shania twine 50 years at number or 50 weeks at number one with his first album this one's for you which kind of helped you know that it was released and then they added tracks and re-released it you know good marketing idea but he went from kind of like a like it's basically like almost i hate to say it the bieber thing where he was a guy like doing videos on youtube and then he built up fan base and then he got really popular and like he just did a giant tour and like he's everywhere. Fucking Luke Combs is killing it. And he just put out his second album that's got uh what you see is what you get, which has possibly the greatest country song ever, Beer Never Broke My Heart on it, which is just a goddamn good song. I have now bought three albums and the guy's only put out two. So I bought this one's for you, I bought the redo of this one's for you, and I bought what you see is what you get. I actually own all three of his albums in physical copy, and then I sit at work and listen to it on Spotify. Because that way, I know he's getting pennies every time I listen to the songs over and over again. Should and almost, move? almost, oh. I was gonna say, almost every day for probably a three month period, I started my workday by listening to the entire Luke Combs list of tracks on Spotify. So, like the first hour and a half to two hours of every workday, I was listening to every song he had on Spotify. Like the dude's just a genius songwriter and has a hellaciously good voice. Like he's my favorite thing in country music since Garth Brooks. Like he's awesome. Should we be worried for him? Why? Beer will never break my heart. Was that the title? Oh, it's yeah, beer never broke my heart. Beer never. That sounds like an alcoholic yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like this about is some painful. Like all the, all the bad things in the country song is that beer never broke his heart. Yeah, yeah and how many done country it, listeners are alcoholics? It? A lot. <laughs> That's also the one thing. Like he's really good at writing songs. Like. It'll be what seems like a sad song that'll have a funny twist, or it'll be a funny song that seems to have a sad twist. He's really good at doing that with his lyrics. Like he's got some just some really, really good lyrics. But yeah. One one of my favorite one of my favorite artists and definitely my favorite artist of this year. I've listened to more Luke Combs than I've listened to anybody this year. And yeah, both of his albums are just 
fan fucking tastic. And yeah, I mean, I bought the one twice because it has two versions and one has like four more tracks on it. And then he's done a bunch of live stuff with like Brooks and Dunn. Um, oh, what was the other one he did? I think it was a uh, Chris Church. But yeah, just he's got a bunch of different songs out there. And like I've I've never heard a song of his that I don't enjoy. Like the guy's just super talented. So Chris, do you actually want to add any kind of music music or do you just want to throw in the uh soundtrack stuff? I'm just throwing in that. I got nothing, man. <laughs> I mean, I can't blame you because you heard me. I don't I don't really listen to popular I mean, when I'm in the car, I listen to podcasts, I listen to sports talk radio, or I listen to some playlists I have curated on my Google Play music of stuff I like, which is generally older yeah. music. So modern or current day music, I'm not really up on. All right, this one ain't going to make much sense, but I'm just going to sing this a little bit. The only boy who could ever teach me <laughs> was the son of a Reverend Willie. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, see, it's a parody. I, it's a parody. I'll, I'll listen to like classic rock on Spotify too. Sure. But yeah, like I start, I keep listening to like my discover weekly and stuff so that like, I mean, that's like where I heard Billie Eilish for the first time. Like, I'm not going to be, I'm not 20. I'm not going to be up on what the newest thing is, but I don't want my music taste to completely stagnate. There is new good music coming out, and I would like to hear about uh, some of it. I will say my Discover Weekly is not really like new music. It's just like music that, hey, you similar taste to what you've been listening to. But they're, 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 was that uh, they have a thing on there? Was it Artist Spotlight or something? New Artist Spotlight? Was mm-hmm. that called? Yeah, there's New Artist Spotlight. There's a. Uh, other than your discover weekly release radar. Yeah, release radar where it's yeah, it's, here's new stuff that we think you might like in accordance with what you've already listened to. Cuz then yeah, that's guaranteed to be new songs. Okay, cuz so I love like my weekly. discover weekly. Love it. Oh yeah. And yeah, I mean, my discover weekly is based on a lot of old country and old 80s rock. Like I get uh, I get a lot of Brian Adams and Journey on my discover weekly. Like I just got <laughs> here the Wanderer by uh Dion because I'm the wanderer. You know. I don't have Spotify, so sorry. Oh, sad day, Chris. What's Google, wrong with you? I have Google Play Music. Yeah. yeah Spotify does a pretty nice. good they got a pretty good algorithm. Once you oh, start yeah. liking songs, they got a pretty good algorithm. Yeah, but mine gives me YouTube with no commercials also. Well, I get that from other means, so <laughs> I have not watched a commercial in so long unless I'm at over somewhere else's place. Because in my place I'm commercial free, baby. Commercial free, Willie. And speaking of which, this week's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, where's my Kidding. dollar? Kidding. <laughs> They're only paying Willie. Oh well, that's some horse shit. Yeah, I got a goldenpalace.com tattooed on my back. <laughs> Actually, he shaved it into his back. Okay, uh-huh. I'm not that hairy. <laughs> I mean, not hairy enough to actually shave anything into my back. <laughs> no designs. I mean, that's just wrong, Chris. That's just wrong. Sorry, guys. Looking at the time, holy shit, we've been recording for almost an hour and a half. Uh, maybe we don't have time to get to Star Wars. Uh, this you week. guys have. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, I don't think we have time to get to Star Wars this week. So next week it is. Well, that's how we'll kick off 2020. But before we shut this thing down. We do a little segment called What I'm Into. It's our chance to share with you guys who are watching live or listening at a later date just what kind of geeky and or nerdy things we've been getting into so that maybe, just maybe, you'll want to try them out yourselves. Or in Willie's case, probably not want to try them out. Apparently not. I mean, wasn't that what we just did? Well, that was <laughs> the best of 2019s. I mean, I mean, a lot of it was some of those really recent. I mean, let's be honest. When we go to my TV shows, it's going to be Mandalorian. It's going to be... <laughs> Uh, Witcher. 
when we go to the video games that I'm playing, it's going to be Pokemon Sword. Oh, I did start playing because uh, they had a bunch of games on sale in the eShop for my Switch. I am playing uh, Final Fantasy VIII again right now because I picked it up for $13. Ooh, ew, ew. I'm rich in here. Yeah, you'll really like the this worst one, one ever. All I did was farm magic, specifically the spell of Demi or Demi, and then I junctioned it to my health, and my health went from 800 to 2,200. <laughs> Final Fantasy two is better than Final Fantasy eight. You friggin' heathen! I uh, know <laughs> Final Fantasy eight. That whole magic system, it just it's it penalizes you for using magic. Here, here's this cool thing. Don't use it because it'll make you weaker. Well, since Willie's so wrong, we're gonna take him off screen right now, and we'll continue. How am I wrong? <laughs> How am I wrong? Am I am I was was anything I just said wrong? Other than the opinion of Final Fantasy two, was the magic system wrong? Well, yes, it's wrong, but. So there we go. We'll just go back to that one. <laughs> and uh, from what I'm seeing on the PlayStation Store on the website, Willie, uh, Fallen Jedi Fallen Order is only for, it's forty nine seventy nine. It's seventeen percent off. Okay, I wasn't so sure. I know Chris's it was on sale. Would be, yeah, it's on sale, but it's still fifty bucks. So this way, yeah, if, would be cheaper if you want the physical copy. If you want to do the physical yeah. copy deal, you can find it on Slick Deals for how to do it with Target. But digital, I don't ever have to worry about getting up when I can't walk to change disc, and it's just there. And the deluxe edition is also on sale for twenty percent off, and it is fifty five ninety nine. I don't know what's included. All that does is give you some extra skins in an art skins. book, a digital art book. So who cares? Okay. Yeah. So if you want a digital art book, are they you want cool skins? To spend five Not bucks on really. it. Most of the skins in that game are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Can I? Uh, I do have a question about the game. Can I have an orange lightsaber? I believe so, yes. I think you can even get a double-sided lightsaber. Aw, yeah. I just want orange. Bow staff style, motherfucker. Have your daily dose of vitamin C! <laughs> what else have I been getting into? Uh, I was going to go to the movie theater. I didn't. I've been off on vacation for the last week, and by vacation, I mean literally doing nothing in my house besides random cleaning and laundry. So a staycation? It's been a staycation. It's been pretty delightful. I that had, sounds very awesome. I what had you, some fantastic Indian food on Christmas Day because we didn't want to cook. So we went to the uh, local Indian food place that was open on Christmas Day. And it was delicious. Some tandoori chicken, some mixed grill items with some other chicken, and then uh, a seasoned salmon. It was delicious. So, uh, yeah, that's my suggestion. Go try foods you don't normally have. And if you can have them on a holiday, it's even better. So uh, January 1's coming up. You can try some... New cuisines you've never tried. You should do that, folks. Do that. Who wants to go next? Awkward. Silence. I can do it. <laughs> I went and saw uh, Jumanji last night, the next level. So got got some chuckles in. It was goddamn uh, funny. Can I ask a question for this? Quest. Yeah. Uh, did did uh, Aquafina not look like Miley Cyrus? A little bit. In that movie. Yeah. I thought that was Miley Cyrus for a second. I, I did like, too. is an Asian though. I, what's going I, on here? No, I, I don't see it, but no, I don't know. I got Maybe, with her hair pulled back like first. that. Yeah, because I just saw the night before. All, all like, I before know is she that. does. She does a really good job of playing a nebbish Jewish guy. Yes, because that's, that's who she's supposed to be. Yeah, <laughs> the actors, the actors playing other actors in this movie. It's so over the top from the last one. And it's awesome because you get all the stuff that you saw in the trailer, but then you end up getting other stuff that you don't know is coming. And it's so well done. It's super funny. Yeah, this, the the rock kills it. It's anything with the rock. Like, just go watch it. You know you're gonna love it. It's Jumanji. They could do seven more of them. I'll watch all of them. If it's got Dwayne Johnson in it, it's gonna be great. Karen Gillian's awesome again. And then yeah, forget uh, Danny DeVito and, Dan, and Danny Glover. 
both awesome. Just it was another great film. And then yeah, the the there's a shot at the end where Danny DeVito does something in the like the last sequence of the movie that's just killer. Uh, but yeah, that was awesome. Rise of Skywalker saw that, loved it, and then um, enjoyed my Christmas. Went out to uh, my buddy's kids were six, so we didn't want to go to their house, so they actually took me out for a uh, sushi. So we had sushi for a, a late uh, Christmas on a Thursday. And then uh, the boys got me a nice new Funko shirt, which I didn't have. Marvel since 1963, I think is what it says on it. It's pretty cool. And then um, my lady got me the uh, real story of Stan Lee. I don't know if you guys have seen this book yet, but it's big enough to kill somebody with. It's oversized like the artist editions, like the giant ones. But it's also about this fucking thick. And it's got to weigh 40 pounds. Like, it's huge. It's gorgeous. It's going to take me a month to read. I can't wait. But then... um. I also found out, uh, no spoilers, but there's a new inter- a new character introduced in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, who is now my new favorite character and is even cuter than the child from The Mandalorian. And there's only one toy available that has him in it, and it's when you get the C-3PO Black Series. My lady got me this because very tiny up there next to 3PO oh, yeah. is... The world's smallest droid engineer, and his name is Babu Freak. And Babu Freak is now my favorite Star Wars character. He's a Babu Freak. He's a Babu Freak. He's He's super super freaky. freaky. (laughs) You're welcome. She got me Stanley's life story and Babu Freak. So I had a a super, super awesome Christmas. That's what I've been getting into. Nice. Wrap things up for us, Willie. What you been getting into? Uh, I don't do that, first of all. Second of all. My apologies. I didn't mean to... uh, (laughs) to hint that you did don't you put that bad juju on me um let's see what uh this week what what did i do this week oh yeah, it was christmas wasn't it yeah, there was christmas, a lot of christmas yeah birthday. so it was a lot of family stuff yeah that's pretty much i don't think i didn't see anything new to, i've been playing titanfall 2 i mean i went back actually i went back to star wars battlefront 2 and playing that some they fixed a lot of the problems with those loot crates and they're doesn't look like they're coming back which is good then it's just it's still a fun game. I'm gonna say right now, it's a fun game. Look, of course, Dice makes. I don't know how they do that. Their lighting effects, but it always looks amazing. It's that lighting effect. I don't know how they do it. I'm just waiting for the next generation when with ray tracing when that's gonna be coming. That's gonna be even more amazing. When you get your yeah. Xbox One Series X, Series XX, one, two, three. No, you got a couple more words in that title. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, were you mean Close when enough. I pretty much buy a PC? Yeah. Well, that my my, my, cell, my, my tower. Yeah, when's you gonna get your ta- your Xbox tower? <laughs> so Xbox um, mini fridge. Get it right. First of all, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm sticking with PlayStation, especially since it's gonna be. Well, I, I think it's still just a rumor we're being backwards capable with PS4 at the very least. Oh, unlike the Xbox, which is backwards compatible with every. No, I'm just fucking with you. Go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, you mean all these Xbox games I already have? <laughs> and the ones I, for dirt the cheap. one I do have over there, it probably wouldn't be backwards capable what game with the that, Xbox. Willie? Test Drive Eve of Destruction. I honestly don't know. Or I also have a Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction over there as well. Wow, by two. Xbox original games I have uh, have destruction. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say they're Xbox One. That's what I'm gonna say because it's the first Xbox. Then my Xbox One over there. Because <laughs> fuck you, Microsoft. You pieces of shit. <laughs> How do you sleep at night, Bill Gates? Oh yeah, you have on a pile yeah, of money and a pile I doubt of he even worries about the Xbox. Like yeah, you're just <laughs> doing whatever. I don't care. You do your thing. I'm over here. 
I'm sure that's what he does. I don't. <laughs> I don't think he gives a fuck about the gaming side. Of course not. He doesn't need to. No. Exactly. Uh, I also I started a uh, Dauntless, which is um came out on um consoles. Well, apparently I heard a couple months ago. I think mm-hmm. I just I just heard about it. I started playing it. And, I'm not one for Monster Hunter because I'm like, yeah, whacking away at the same creature for 10 to 15 minutes and not really feel like I'm doing anything. Doesn't sound fun. But somehow Epic made this feel fun. And it, it, it's got its hold of me. So I've been playing Dauntless a whole lot. And I do know this game is fully cross-platform uh, play. Mm-hmm. You can play with that because I play with people on Xbox. I play with people on PC. I don't think I've seen any little icon for a Switch yet, but you can play on your Switch, I believe, from what I heard. I believe so, yes. But I haven't just seen the icon, so maybe there's not a lot of It Switch says players. it is available for Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and PC on the Epic Games Store. And it is also free to play. Fancy. Yep. Yep. So I played it and have not spent a dollar on it. I've spent four ninety nine on it, I can say, can- just because, like, so if you buy stuff with say on the PC, does the stuff you bought carry over to if you logged in on like your Xbox or your Switch? Do you know? I don't have a PC to well, you so ask Bachman. Hypoth- hypothetical. Is it is it cross platform <laughs> no. support like you, that for you bought stuff on your PlayStation, right? Yeah, that's true. Yep. Okay, so try it on your Switch and see if you have access to that stuff. I don't have a demo. I, mean, I can't do that right this second. No, no, no. Well, I'm saying that's a way to test it, though, because you that have right. two that's systems. True. Yeah, and it's cross-platform. So if you can access that stuff on your Switch, if it's locked to your account and not to the system, then that yeah. would let you know that you could buy something once and it would go across all platforms, which is how it should be if yes. it's an all-platform game. But I can see a problem with that, though, because, I mean, if I also had an Xbox series whatever you want to call this thing <laughs> whatever the yeah. current one is i'm not gonna say xbox one because they can go suck a damn dick for that um if i had one of those i mean if i bought something if i bought it on the playstation some coins for it or whatever it's called um why some of that money goes to sony so and it doesn't go to microsoft so i can see that being a problem so, if coin so is your currency in that just coins that you can buy from any platform or you could go into a store like a Fortnite card and say i want 25 dollars for 25 bucks worth of coins or no it, it takes you to the playstation store to right. uh so that that would be it. how it works with any of these games it takes you to that yeah. storefront to buy those but and, i'm just wondering like like i can see that being a problem i mean i would hope that it would just be carrying over because that just yeah, makes more my sense. hope would be if you buy dlc then it carries over to any place you log in regardless of the console yeah. we can yeah we can play it hope and find so. out i mean i I'll install it on my Xbox and on my Switch and try it that way. That's the easiest way to do it, probably. Or my PlayStation. And it's, and it's just a fun game. Play with me, Chris. I will consider that. Play with me all night long. Oh, gross. Yeah, there this goes, guy gross. is creepy. So, uh, yeah, yeah, he is. So, uh, a question for you guys before we shut this down. Do we want to take the Cats Challenge and watch the Cats movie and make fun of it? No. Oh, that was going to ever see week. that movie, no matter what. Yeah, doesn't, cost you, doesn't cost me any extra money. Unless yeah, you pay me money, I'm not going to watch that movie. And I'm also talking on that. It looks creepy as fuck. <laughs> and also, did you hear about they're actually updating the the special effects in it as yes. the movie's already out? They, theaters? they put a patched yeah. version of Cats the movie out. Yeah, I saw the photo where you can see Judy uh, Dench's hand. Like, they didn't even finish the fucking movie before they put it in theaters. It already looks awful, and then they put a half-ass awful version out in theaters? Like, what is wrong with this company? That movie looks creepy as fuck. No, All I will never watch that. All the money went to the people, the actors. Right. Apparently. And the chore- choreography, probably. To be fair. They should just toss a coin to us. 
toss a coin to your willy. <laughs> oh my. So friendly reminder, we do stream this show live every Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central over on Geeks.Live. That is the official streaming home of the Gunna Geek Network. So we'll be back next week in 2020 with more uh, ATG and shenanigans and ridiculousness. We'll probably make fun of things and we'll probably finally talk about Star Wars a little bit. Oh yeah. We talked about it a little bit. We did talk about it a little bit. Baba uh, Freaky. Before we shut this thing Baba down. Baba Freak. You guys have any final thoughts, anything like that you want to share with folks as we kill the live stream? I want to apologize that the uh, first half of this episode was not as funny without me. That's my bad. I'm sorry. I, mm. I This foot. Sometimes I wish I could just chop off whatever is deflecting <laughs> me so I could just go on and be and it will never take me on again. But at least I didn't let the pain get to me for this episode. Thank you for patting yourself on the back so hard. Willie out. Yeah. <laughs> Willie, I think it's stupid. I agree with Naki. We're going to shut this thing down. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Thank you for hanging in there with us through 2019. And here's to some ridiculousness in 2020. We'll Bye, guys. See you in 2020. Later. Thanks for listening to this brand new episode of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. Don't forget, we'll be back next Sunday live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, over at live.atgnpodcast.com, channel 3 of the Alpha Geek Radio app, and over at our network home at gunnageek.com slash live. If you have any feedback for the show, please contact us, atgnpodcast at gunnageek.com, on our hotline number at 304-806-ATGN, or even better, go to Twitter and send us a message at atgnpodcast. The music you've heard in this show is produced by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incompetech.com.